You're listening to the Runaway Together podcast. My name is Katie Doherty, and I am an elopement and intimate wedding photographer based in Los Angeles. I wanted to create this podcast to serve as a resource for couples who are considering an elopement. If you'd like more information and inspiration about eloping, you can visit runawaytogether.co. This episode is a bit different than previous ones because I've brought on our very first guest. Her name is Marie of Let's Get Married by Marie, and she is a wedding officiant based in Southern California. We focus specifically on Joshua Tree and what it's like to elope there. Marie has done over 150 weddings inside the park, so she definitely knows her stuff. I've never been a huge fan of long podcast intros, so let's just hop right in to our conversation. You can go ahead and say your business name and the areas that you serve. Okay, um, I'm Marie Burns-Holzer. I'm a minister, spiritual non-denominational minister. Um, my business is Let's Get Married by Marie, and I serve, I'm based in Southern California, serve the West Coast regularly, but I go anywhere people want me to celebrate them. I looked at your website, and I love that you wrote anti-boring weddings. So what does anti-boring really mean to you in terms of being a wedding officiant? Okay. So we've all been to weddings where, um, you know, I've made this joke several times now, but it's, uh, that the ceremony is kind of the price of admission for the open bar. Um, (laughs) it's kind of something painful we have to suffer through Mm -hmm. in order to get married. And then we go and have the fun part. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm anti that. Um, I believe that ceremony ritual, right? Whatever you want to call it, it should be beautiful and fun and personal and transformative for everyone present, whether that's just the three of us off in the desert or, you know, us and 500 of your closest family and friends. So that's what anti-boring weddings was. I started that hashtag a couple years ago and um, my designer loved it so much that she just kind of included it in my logo and I just fell in love with it. So Yeah, I love that because I think the keyword or one of the keywords is what you said is making it personal. And I feel like you do. We've worked together a couple times, by the way, actually maybe only once, but I could feel that you are trying to make it really personal for the couple because I think that's what when things might tend to get a little boring is if you're just going off a script that isn't necessarily catered to the bride and groom. So I know that you do all kinds of weddings, but I wanted to focus specifically on elopements. Do you remember the first elopement couple that you worked with? Okay. So I have been trying to remember the first couple. I remember we were on a beach in Laguna and um, it was the first elopement I had ever been part of, and I can't remember their names. I was trying to go back through my files, but it, this was seven years ago. But I do remember that after I pronounced them, they kissed, and it was like three of their friends and me on the beach. I just thought, this is everything that a wedding is supposed to be. 
It's intimate. It was fun. They laughed. They even kissed before the official kiss. And I just, I loved every moment of it. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I could make, you know, half my business this, um, I want this. <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of when I started looking more into elopements and what they were. And when I started almost eight years ago now, um, it was not something that was pushed or as visible as it is now, which is really interesting. I noticed that too. I think I photographed my first elopement maybe four years ago, but it definitely wasn't something that I heard about a lot. I think it is kind of coming into its own as, I'm not sure why. I mean, maybe it's associated with the costs of weddings, or maybe it's just people wanting to go off and do their own thing without stress. I'm sure it's a combination of a lot of things, but I also noticed that you do some eloping or you officiate elopements in Joshua Tree. So I'm I'm in Los Angeles and you just mentioned earlier that you were in Riverside, but this is all kind of in the Southern California region. So how do you elope in Joshua Tree? <laughs> That's an excellent question. So um, Joshua Tree is a national park and the national park services, um, they all have, you know, specific requirements. And actually it's super affordable to get a permit and to go into the park and do your thing. Um, the way that I do elopements, I feel is a little bit different from what a lot of my colleagues do. Most kind of have you come into their office and do a signing um, or maybe on the beach. That's very popular here in California, as one can imagine. I started advertising elopements in Joshua Tree years ago, when I kept getting people asking me, you know, would I even head out there? And this was before, like, even locals knew where Joshua Tree was. And as I started going out there again, I had that same feeling I had as that first elopement of like, ah, this feels like such a sacred space. And it was so much fun. And so I specifically have designed my elopement services to have like a hiker's mentality, which is pack in, pack out, absolutely no setup. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, no arbor, no, no anything. It's just us beautifully dressed in some of the most stunning scenery you'll see in the world. That way it keeps it really easy and stress-free. It keeps the cost down. It abides within the national park permit requirements, and it just makes life so much easier. And I love it. Um, really it's about focusing on the time of year and also the timing of the day, because, uh, I've had couples, come in from around the world and they want to get married at 11 a.m. in July in Joshua Tree. And, you know, it's 115 degrees sometimes at that hour um, and it'll get hotter. And I'm just like, no, that's not a thing. Um, I also don't do elopements on Fridays and Saturdays, specifically because in national parks in particular, those are the busiest days. Um, so I purposely set up my elopements to be midweek or on Sundays when it all of those more remote areas are like dead. No one's out there. It's quiet. It's almost feels like you have nature to yourself. And that I found just creates the most amazing experiences. That's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything that you said. I'm curious, going back to what you said about permits and just, you know, no arches, no setup, no all that fancy stuff. So does that require a totally different fee and permit than just going in with like a few people? Yes. So um, 
It, and again, it depends on the park. A national in Joshua Tree in particular, they have one wedding permit, but they're pretty strict about where you can go. And if you're within the park, they have very specific regulations of what can be done in those areas. Whereas uh, they have an area called Indian Cove where you can actually set up a wedding, an actual wedding with seating and the aisle runner and all that jazz. Whereas within the park, um, you have to remember that this is wilderness. This is not a wedding venue. <laughs> so we need to be respectful of the fact that, you know, this is an ecosystem, a very delicate ecosystem, actually. So that's why we really don't want to have, you know, chairs out in the desert because you're literally taking over spaces that belong, that are protected of wildlife. So I found that it's just easier <laughs> to just be like, nope, no setup at all. You know, we just, again, hikers mentality, beautifully dressed hikers is how I constantly describe it. Um, and honestly, you get the best photos that way too, because you're not stressed out about setup and tear down and clean up in your clothes. You're focused on each other and the moment and the ceremony and the photos. And it's it, it takes so much pressure off. It's so much more fun that way. And like you said, with all of this beautiful nature around you, that is the decor kind of. You yeah. don't need all this other stuff. I'm actually interviewing another um person later today who is going to talk about eloping in or not yes eloping in national parks we're talking about joshua tree but he's more in like the colorado region and one of the things we're going to talk about more is what you just said but he called it leave no trace because obviously these are national parks they're protected and um yeah you go in and you leave nothing not even you know like you said chair imprints on the sand or you know stuff like that so when you, this is a kind of a side question, but I'm curious, when you say the hiker's mentality, I'm thinking about brides and what kind of shoes are, are, do you feel like you can really wear heels out in the desert or have brides been uncomfortable trying to do that from your experience? That's, so that's a really good logistical question. I actually recommend that all my couples bring um, a backpack that has water because Joshua Tree is extremely dry any time of year. Um, so, they, you know, we have water, we have snacks um, in our bag, but then I also have them bring their fancy shoes in the bag and then bring their walking shoes so that we can hike, you know, climb up rocks or whatever it is they want to do out where we find the, you know, our, our spot and then switch the shoes that way in the, all the photos, we have those gorgeous heels or, you know, that, that dapper velvet slip on shoe or whatever. And then you can switch them back so that you're not uncomfortable. Good point. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that there is an ideal time? What is your ideal time to go out to Joshua Tree in terms of, I mean, we know the sunset hours are really nice, but the time of year, are you thinking like fall? I think I've been there in September and I've also been out there in March. So <laughs> I'm out in Joshua Tree a lot. Um, from December to November, I'm out there at least once a week, if not twice. Oh, wow. And from March to May, again, usually about once a week. So that's, and honestly, those are the most beautiful times of year. Winter is actually stunning, but it is bone cold. Um, most people don't realize how cold the desert gets, especially during winter or at night. You know, I do, I've done a couple elopements around the winter solstice or January in Joshua Tree. 
and it has, you know, been a high of mid forties Fahrenheit. And the minute that Mm -hmm. sun sets, it's just so cold. So I'm usually out there. Yeah. I'm layered. I have a leather jacket on. It's cold. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of, I, I really think that autumn and spring are the best times. And especially when you're going midweek, you're avoiding all the crowds um, that happen on the weekends, those times, because those are definitely the busiest times of the park. As far as timing during the day, like you said, sunset, when I do um, elopements out there, we tend to kind of schedule the ceremony like leading into golden hour. So, um, the sunset during the summer out there is at like eight, eight fifteen at the latest. Um, whereas in spring and autumn, we're looking at more at like seven, seven thirty. So ceremonies for me are usually somewhere between five thirty and six thirty. That sounds great. Yeah. To just add on to what you said about winter, I think it can actually, it does actually snow out there in Joshua Tree. And if the wind picks up, it can definitely be really chilly. So I I agree with you. Spring and fall would probably be ideal if you can manage to do it during those times. Two more quick questions on this matter. One is, do you scope out the spots beforehand or do you just kind of go in with the couple and the photographer and find the spot the day of? So one of the things people do not realize about Joshua Tree National Park is that it's actually a little bit larger than the the, the state of Rhode Island. It's huge um, and it's almost 90, 100 miles across. You're talking about like when you say Joshua Tree, like it's there's certain places that you can go to and you're like, oh, this state park. And it's like a three mile stretch. That's not this case. So I have done over 150 elopements in the park. I I know the main drag of Joshua Tree like the back of my hand. I can go in without a map. I know exactly where I'm going. I like to kind of coordinate with my couple before going in what spot they're looking at. Um, I send them links and Google images and, um, you know, I'll even send them to my old blog posts and kind of go, okay, well, this was in this area and that's why it looks like this. And this other one was in this area just so that they have a sense of what the area looks like. Cause a lot of my couples are coming from all around the world and they've never even been to Joshua Tree. So they're doing this site unseen for once we kind of nail down a general area, whether it's a picnic area or a, you know, we want to start at this trailhead and see where it leads. I like to meet my couples at one of the entrances because once you get into the park, there is no cell signal at all. Right. So if something happens, it's really hard to coordinate. Um, So I like to meet with them at one of the entrances and then caravan in together to the spot. Um, Especially, like I said, so many couples of mine, come in from all over the world, you know, they're, they don't know how to navigate the park. So they feel much more comfortable knowing that I'm going to guide them to it. And I feel a lot more comfortable because, you know, if they're running 15 minutes late, I'm not going to be 30 miles from a cell signal, you know, tapping my watch and trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, this is actually, I see you now as not only an awesome officiant, but like a kind of an inval- invaluable resource and like not tour guide, because that's not the word I'm going for, but it's great that you know the park so well. Like I can't imagine how helpful that would be on a couple's wedding day. Do you, I know that these things probably change, but do you happen to know how much the permit is? Uh, I want to say it's 175 or 200. Okay. Really, if you Google um, wedding permit Joshua Tree, it pops up. It's like right there. Um, and you sure. buy online. I have it in all of my contracts that that's on the couple to acquire. And, you know, I'm happy to give advice and all that, but it's, it's 
on them to kind of get all that coordinated. I'm happy to provide links and, you know, point out all the details, though. Cool. So coming back, we've kind of discussed Joshua Tree, but I want to come back to the officiating sort of celebrant side of things. For couples who are planning to elope, what would you say are the most important things to consider when hiring an officiant? First, I I like to tell my couples that I'm your Gandalf, right? This is your journey. I just kind of come in and instigate really fun shenanigans to get the story rolling. Um, When it comes to hiring officiant, I think that you really need to think about what that gut check. Do you feel comfortable with this person? Do you feel safe with this person? Do you, are you comfortable asking questions or do you find yourself feeling like you're bugging them? I, I feel like, especially when you're going for these adventure style elopements, like to Joshua Tree, it's really important that your officiant understands the process, not just their portion, but how they fit into the greater whole, because then they can kind of assist and make sure that the whole experience goes smoothly because it plays, they play well with others. I think that that's really important to make your day go as amazingly and beautifully as possible. Um, You know, like you said before, most people elope because of money, but also because of stress. There's a lot of pressure that comes with having a big wedding. I think eloping is about relieving that pressure. And so I really think that you're officiant, the person who actually legally makes sure that you're married, the person who guides you through the ceremony that changes everything, that they should be part of that stress-free, fun vibe that you're going for. And then when when someone reaches out to you to potentially be there for their wedding, do you automatically, is it pretty standard to hop on a phone call with someone or do you book them and then kind of go through the process of tailoring and customizing the experience for them? I think that, um, you know, talking to a couple, kind of getting a little inside baseball on this one. When you're like talking with a couple and kind of courting them, it's like dating. You don't ask to get married that first date, right? It's <laughs> so I, I I don't generally jump jump on the phone with people. Um, I have a series of emails and questions that I ask to kind of get the conversation started to see if we're even a good fit. Because sometimes, you know, um, I have a, a particular brand of sense of humor. I'm very playful. I love emojis. If these are not things that appeal to you, like we're maybe I'm not the right one for you. And that's okay. Sure. So maybe you're, you kind of want to think about if you're into something kind of laid back and humorous, or if you want something very traditional and more structured, then that would be a totally different type of person. Exactly. So for me, it's about starting a conversation of what they're envisioning and what it is that they're going for. Because if I hear, you know, more traditional and, and that kind of like heavy structure, that's really not me. And I'm not going to be the right person for you. If you want traditional with a twist, if you want to customize the traditional, well, now, now we can have a conversation. If you're like, I want to throw out all the rules and see what we can make happen. I'm on board. So it's more about filling each other out. Once a couple um, has decided that they really like me, then we tend to schedule a consultation, either a video chat or um, a phone call. And we can start talking about like my process and what they can expect. Once they're booked, then I guide them through the whole, okay, let's find a particular location. Let's talk about customizing and all that goodness. And how can a couple make 
their experience more customized and special. Like, I know that there's certain things that typically go into, you know, the ceremony vows and things like that. But how can you customize a ceremony from an officiant standpoint? So I'm going to kind of sidestep this to come back to it. Um, I feel one of the biggest problems that we have when we discuss these kinds of things is we talk about the how without understanding the who and the why. So what I mean by that is, you know, customizing doesn't start with offering you different unity and reading options. That's not where it starts. It's about the who and the why. It's understanding why you're eloping. It's understanding who you two are as people and as a couple. The officiant needs to have those details in order to properly offer you suggestions and ideas and options that are going to actually bring that sense of the two of you into your elopement. So for me, you know, I have questionnaire, I have um, from each of the members of the couple, we have a, a planning session, we get to know each other. That's where I start, where I'm not, it's really just about getting to know each other and getting comfortable. Because once I have a good sense of who you are, I can start offering things. Um, I actually had a couple earlier this year, huge Disney fans, like they they live outside of the U.S. and yet have annual passes to (laughs) um, Disney Orlando. When they told me they wanted to elope in Joshua Tree and that they were such huge Disney fans, um, the things I I suggested were more tailored to not just Disney, but the movies that I know that they love, the, you know, different moments in their relationship of what Disney meant to them. The, The bride is a huge Little Mermaid fan, so I actually, instead of pronouncing them and saying they could kiss, I pronounced them and then saying a couple lines from Kiss the Girl. That's sweet. That's really nice. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It starts with actually knowing who you two are, what you're about and what this day is about for you um, in order to customize and personalize. Because, you know, I can give you all the different you could, there's all kinds of unities and readings on the internet. You can find them, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fit you. So customization is about understanding who you are and making sure that we're really sticking to the why, to the values of what this means for you. Yeah, totally. And I know that you offer a few different types of packages. The one that caught my eye, or maybe the one that you could just go into a little more depth on was the Runaway With Me package. I just was kind of curious if you're willing to mention what is included and maybe the pricing and so that couples kind of have an idea of what to expect. Sure. So um, the Runaway With Me package is my, um, I call it my classic elopement, um, efficient only. It uh, ranges from uh, $4.99 to $14.99, depending on where, because I serve all of the West Coast. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So, um, but that's all on my website too. So if you're curious about pricing, um, it's always listed on there. Um, I'm big on transparency for that one. Yeah. So it includes... Um, obviously a custom ceremony. It includes all mileage. I don't like adding and nickel and diming all that. So I just include it all in one price. Um, and that's why I said the price varies by location. That's really, it's a very personal thing where yes, you're going to get a custom ceremony. I'm going to help you with your vows. We're going to discuss ring options and unities and you know what you want to include. But that also includes a lot of the information, like we we're talking about earlier about no, the knowledge of the area 
where to go, um, coordinating with your photographer if you have one, because making sure that we're not stepping on each other's toes, instead working together so that the whole experience goes smoothly, you know, finding the timing that works. Um, because for me, I only do one wedding a day, even if it's elopement, I only do one. And I do that because I want the flexibility of being able to just focus on you on your day instead of having, you know, to tap my watch and be like, okay, we got to move this along. I got to go. Um, like you said, you know, maybe the ceremony itself is very short, but there's a lot of planning and thinking and coordinating that goes into it beforehand. Yes. Well, and even with the runaway with me package, most of those ceremonies are about eight to 12 minutes. They're really not that mm-hmm. long, but I allot an hour for the ceremony. And I do it specifically because if we have a six o'clock ceremony, I'm in the area at least an half hour, an hour before, because <laughs> California and traffic is a thing. But and if we're going to be meeting at the outside entrance and it takes 45 minutes to drive into our location from the entrance, I'm going to meet you at 515, which means I'm in the area at 430. So already you can see the time it takes. And where I live, um, I'm very spoiled in that if you draw a hundred mile radius around Riverside, California, I hit all the interesting things in Southern California. So, um, but still that's a 90 mile drive from door to door. Sure. So it's literally takes up my entire day, but I want to have that flexibility and focus on you. And that's what that all includes. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's, it's, it's more about like the, the level of time involved on this one, because even though the ceremony is really short, it gives like, a lot more flexibility. And for that whole hour, I'm not going to be like tapping my watch. It's six. We need to start. You know, if the photographer's like, oh, actually this lighting's way better over here. Can we go like five, 10 minutes that way? I'm like, great, let's go. You know, because I want you to have an amazing experience, not this kind of stressful timeline situation. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people who elope are kind of drawn to that more fluid timeline anyway than the strict you know, six o'clock, we got to go, that kind of thing. Um, But also I think most, I'm just thinking out loud, a lot of officiants slash photographers slash any wedding industry professional probably does not live in Joshua Tree. I mean, I don't know anyone who lives there. So I think most people are kind of coming in from LA or some other neighboring city. Mm -hmm. Aside from the day of, I actually don't even know this myself. Officiants are also taking care of like the official legal matter. So what is that? Do couples have to do anything beforehand in terms of legally getting their license and all that stuff signed? When a couple books with me, um, I actually give them all that information. So about two months before I reach out to them, get them started on here's how to get your marriage license. Here's who to go through. In California, we are super spoiled. Uh, We have no waiting period for marriage licenses, whereas some places you get the marriage license and it's not technically good until like three days later, for example. Um, We don't have any of that. Like you can get your marriage license the day of your wedding. It's super, super easy. Uh, We have no residency requirements. You literally just need an ID, a passport, a driver's license, something like that. Uh, And then you pay your fee and that's it. So yeah, I, I, I direct my couples on how to get that, where to go. I have a lot of couples who fly into LAX and then, you know, drive all the way out to Joshua Tree. So I kind of give them advice on like where to go to obtain it, uh, the timing, all that. And then they actually need to bring the marriage license to the ceremony. 
along with their IDs. Um, most officiants in California don't realize that it's legally our, it's a requirement. We need to check their IDs to confirm they are who they say they are. This is a legal document. And then after the ceremony, I sign and file the license as required by California state family law. And I keep a record of it for three years as required by law as well. Okay. And then when they do these signings, do they have to go in person or can they take care of that online somehow? So they can apply online and that way when they go in person, it's a lot faster. But the two people getting married do need to go in person to get the license from the county because essentially the county swears them in and confirms their identities that they're, you know, them and they want to get married. Gotcha. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Joshua Tree's in San Bernardino County, right? So this has actually been a bone of contention. The city of Joshua Tree is in San Bernardino County. The national park is in Riverside County. Oh, okay. Yes. So neither of those are Los Angeles County, but you would you get your marriage license done in L.A. County? You can actually get a marriage license anywhere in California, and it's good for anywhere in California. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I'm learning things, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... That would be valid for anybody, even if they're getting they're coming from out of country, out of state, whatever. Yes, we have no residency requirements. There are some um, places, for example, um, I was going to perform an elopement in France and I found all these details of the fact that um, in in France, you have to be in the country for 45 days in order to get a marriage license through them. So you have to be there for 45 days and you cannot leave the country. So we don't have that. <laughs> yeah. Literally can just literally I have had couples come off the plane from New Zealand with their passports, go down to the county clerk and office in L.A. right by the LAX, get their marriage license and drive out to Riverside um, to come and elope in Joshua Tree. Nice. Yeah, that sounds pretty easy, actually, comparatively to other places, perhaps? Yes, um, it's a lot easier. For example, um, in the District of Columbia, there's a seven-day waiting period. So basically, you submit your application in person, you do the thing, and then you have to come back in seven days for them to issue it to you. Do you ever have couples who are already perhaps legally married or they're doing the legal stuff in their home city and then they're just doing this for kind of like a ceremonial purpose or are you mostly doing legal marriages in California? I absolutely do both. Um, a couple contacts me and they want a symbolic ceremony only, which is what we call it. I just need them to provide me proof of their legal marriage because otherwise I'm committing fraud if I don't confirm that they're already married and if I pronounce them as married. Um, and I think it's up to a $5,000 fine here in California. Interesting. Okay. Because I think some people might, I mean, California sounds pretty easy, but I think that some people get don't want to get all caught up in the technicalities and maybe they have already taken care of their legal stuff at home and they just want to go somewhere for, what did you say? Symbolic? Sim symbolic ceremony? Okay. And there's even couples who... Um, they don't want to legally get married for a variety of reasons, whether that, you know, is money, inheritance. Um, uh, I had one couple that they actually legally couldn't get married because one of them would lose their citizenship in a European Union place um, because then they would become, by marriage, they would become um, a citizen of this other country 
and not a dual citizenship, but like completely a citizen. So there are all kinds of reasons that people don't fulfill the legal requirements if and if they want to do a symbolic ceremony only um there's just an amendment to my contract that you know i have them sign confirming that they understand that this is not a legal ceremony it does not bear any legalities that this is a symbolic spiritual ceremony only that kind of thing and do you think there's any is it's just very up to individual decision for the couple right like you don't really have a preference or um think it one way is more ideal than the other? It's so individual. And, you know, I'm not here to judge you. I y'all are grown people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I assume you know your situation better than I do. Um, And I just follow with usually what my couple wants. Now, if they have questions, I'm happy to provide options and ideas. But I am not a lawyer. Um, I'm not an accountant. I can't, you know, give you that kind of information. I can just give you some ideas and options and resources. Cool. Well, you definitely answered all my questions, so I'm sure this was helpful to a lot of people, but is there anything else you would like to add? Most specifically that I I love elopements, and the one thing that I see couples make this mistake is two things. They try to make an elopement a traditional wedding, like we're talking about earlier, the um, the setup and the chairs and music and no, 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 no. When you're eloping, it's about keeping it incredibly simple because, you know, once you start adding all this stuff, it adds to your stress level. Um, and that's the antithesis of what we're going for. And the second thing is making sure that you keep your guest list tiny. You know, the, that whole thing that we're talking about earlier of, you know, leave only footprints and take only photos. When you have... 15 or 20 people, you're not eloping. You're having an intimate wedding. That is not (laughs) what this is. is. Altogether, we should only have about 12 people. So if you're including the couple, the photographer, Mm -hmm. me, we should only have about 12 people ideally to keep it at an elopement. That's a larger elopement, but it's an elopement. Because once you get to about 15 or 20 people, it's like herding cats. (laughs) It just Suddenly it takes 20 minutes to move 50 yards instead of you know, the five minutes it would have taken us. And it changes the entire dynamic. You know, I, I'm actually working on a blog post right now about how elopements are designed for the couple's fullest and best enjoyment and experience. Whereas weddings are designed for your guests' best comfort, enjoyment, and experience. So when we're out in Joshua Tree, you know, the ceremony is 10 minutes and you're doing like another, I don't know, hour to two hours of photos, your loved ones are just standing around in the heat, in the cold. (laughs) There's no cell signal. There's no chairs. Like they're not, there's nothing to entertain them or feed them. It's, it's not a great situation for them. So really just keep it down to the people who absolutely have to be there. Yes. I, I never thought about that, but yes, very good point. I like your distinction between elopement for the couples, weddings for maybe the other people more so than the couple. Cool. Thank you, Marie. I want to know how people can find you online and get in touch with you. Absolutely. So you can um, go to the website, which is letsgetmarriedbymarie.com or Instagram, Facebook, also Let's Get Married by Marie. I'm really active there. I try to post. I promise beautiful photos um, and silly behind the scenes stuff. How far in advance are you booked out right now? It is July 2019. Can somebody still book you for this year? 
So I just closed the calendar on October and November. Um, December is wide open, um, but um, September has a couple spots, but that's filling up. But I'm already looking at filling up. Uh, I think I'm about a quarter filled up for autumn of 2020 at this point. So uh, sooner is really better than later. So once you have an idea that you want to elope, it, it's time to start chatting. <laughs> cool. Sounds great. Thank you so much. And I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on, Katie. I appreciate it. And I loved working with you. And I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast because this is definitely a, a space that needs to be addressed. And that right there wraps up my conversation with Marie. Isn't she awesome? I've never actually been married. And so all of this information was new to me from the efficient legal standpoint of things. And I found it really interesting and I hope that it was helpful to you. I'm going to link Marie's website and Instagram handle inside the show notes. So if you just look inside your podcast player or if you're listening in Spotify, you'll see her information listed there. And if you want any other resources or if you want to check out my photography or you think this topic of eloping is interesting and you just want to learn more, you can always head over to runawaytogether.co and I am on Instagram at runawaytogether.co. Feel free to drop me a comment, shoot me a message. I'd love to hear from anybody and everybody. All right, you guys, see you next time.